So, um, Acts 16 and verse 20 to 25. Can we put that up there, Josh? If possible, and I'll read it. <clears throat> so, this is, this is the, um, the story is um, that Paul and Silas have been, pray, uh, have been in a, a city. Let me just find out what they call the city. I believe they were in a, a part of Macedonia anyway, and they're going round, they're preaching, and during the course of the days that they're there, there is a girl who is a fortune teller, um, and I'll just read from verse 16. It says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. And of course, as Paul and Silas go around that, the city, they're followed by this young lady who's obviously got a problem. Uh, and eventually, he gets a little bit frustrated by it and he deals with this issue um, that the young lady has, which obviously is tormenting her mentally as well. Um, but what happens is that the profit that the people were making from her, um, I mean, basically slave trade, isn't it? It was slave trade, this. Uh, but the profit that they were making, uh, they lost the profit. And, and this is how it goes on. The story goes on like this. And they brought them to the magistrates, this is Paul and Silas, and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitudes rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes. That's a big, big thing, isn't it? Huh? Tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, so you're getting a, you're getting a picture. I mean, it's pretty amazing what's going on, isn't it? Have you ever asked this question, why are these things happening to me? Why are these things going on for us? What is happening? Have you ever asked those questions? I'm sure you have. I have asked those questions more in the last five years than I have asked the rest of my life, believe me. Uh, and actually, I'm beginning to get some answers which are beautiful. Um, because I have actually been in detention, and I can tell you that this is not the way that I reacted initially. Initially. Uh, I was upset, I was very frustrated, I was angry. Uh, there was a lot, lot of things going on inside me which I couldn't understand because we'd prayed, we'd looked at the whole situation, we, we, we knew that it's what we believe God wanted us to be doing. It was all taken care of. So everything that we were doing, we believed it was right to be doing. Has anyone been in that situation where you believe that it's right to be doing what you're doing? Um, but of course, something happened that is beyond your own ability to do anything about. And then you begin to ask questions about it. Well, of course, these guys, I mean, up to this point, up to the point of actually dealing with this young lady, Paul and Silas had been... Uh, having a fantastic time, preaching good news, freeing a lot of people, seeing a lot of wonderful things, and suddenly, they're in jail. Well, 
the, the title of this was Imprisoned for the Sake of His Grace. So, of course, you can be imprisoned for doing something stupid. That's not what I'm talking about today, okay? None of us are going to get imprisoned for doing something stupid because that is stupid and we deserve to be imprisoned for it. Oh, really? You do something that's illegal or wrong, then, of course, you're going to pay the consequence to it. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when, when you believe that you're walking with the Lord and the Lord's walking with you and you believe you're doing what's right and suddenly you don't understand what has gone on. What has happened, Lord? Why has it happened? What is going on? We don't understand it. Um, and I think they probably went through that as they were getting beaten with rods. I mean, what an incredible, what an incredible passage, though, that the magistrates were, like, ripping the clothes off. I mean, you can't imagine this. Can we? I can't imagine this. Phil, I can't imagine this. This doesn't happen, does it? But these guys were, like, reacting hugely to this situation. And everyone around them, it was chaos and everything else. And there it says, but at midnight, might have taken them a few hours to get there, but at midnight, um, they were singing and praying. And the prisoners were listening to them. So, I mean, first of all, you've got to think, okay, what's on the inside? Because when you get pressed, something happens, doesn't it? Whenever you're pressed... Something happens. It's a bit like Gethsemane. He says that Jesus, so Gethsemane means the place of pressing. And, and the picture is that you sometimes are pressed uh, in situations like Jesus was pressed. And I don't, mean we, I don't think we're ever pressed as much as Jesus was. Uh, but Jesus was pressed like an olive and a big stone going around and eventually the oil begins to flow out. So the pressing that you go through... Every week, every, you know, you, this week there might be a pressing that you go through. The last week there might have been a pressing that you go through. But what you're meant to look at is how that actually affected you. Not how it affected everybody else, but how it affected you. What did you do in those moments when you were pressed? Because what's on the inside of you comes out. It flows out of you when you were pressed. So it may be a family situation, it may be a marriage situation, it may be a, uh, a work situation, it, may, it might be any situation that you find yourself in, but actually what it does is it presses you so that what is happening externally begins to press on you so that internally you begin to see who you really are, what's really in you. Do you understand me? It's not about everybody else, it's about you, what's really in you. And God can say that, but can you see it? So right now, think about your situations. Think about what you're going through. What are you like in that situation? Don't ask the question about everybody else. Forget that one. Huh? Someone else is asking that. You forget all about that one. What are you like in this pressing? So they were finding out what's on the inside, and, and prayers and hymns were coming out, and... Good things were coming out of the inside of them, wasn't it? And people were listening to that. And they are really imprisoned for the sake of his grace. They're imprisoned, not for their own sakes, but they're imprisoned for the people around them. Do you understand me? It's, it's very difficult, though, to grasp that concept. It's very difficult while you're going through something really difficult to grasp the concept that you might be in the place that you are right now for his sake. And for their sake, not actually for your sake. 
Although it will be for your sake because you will be the benefit, the benefactor of what you go through. You're going to see something that is wonderful and beautiful in these moments that you're going through this right now. So, we, we've talked just recently, and this is what I believe, um, and I, I, I preach this in Paraguay, um, and I, I, I believe that we are seeing a shaking in the earth today, not just in specific places, but we are seeing a shaking going on all around the earth. There is a moment that we live in that is very, very significant. And I don't know if people have really seen it. This is, this is a significant moment. Everything in your country tells you that we are in a significant moment, doesn't it? There's, every day you're seeing something, this is a significant moment. What is your reaction and response to this significant moment? Because there's some things that you're told to do and there's some things that you're told not to do. Isn't there? There's some things you're told to do and there's some things you're told not to do. I'm not talking about what the world thinks. I'm talking about what your dad in heaven thinks. I'm talking about what Jesus has actually asked of us to do. I'm talking a different place altogether. I'm not interested in your opinions about Brexit or about Donald Trump or about all these things. I'm not, I'm, honestly, and I don't believe that God is. He listens, of course, to all of those things. And it's, you can believe whatever you want to believe. But the moment is significant in history. And of course, it's only when we look back that we understand how significant it is. But all over the earth right now, there are things going on that are far beyond anything that any one person could ever control. There are powers and things happening that are huge. But we live in Jesus, who's the restorer of all things. We live in the King. He's the majestic one. He has all power and all authority. But all his power and all his authority come from some place. And really he should be called, he should be called absolute vulnerability, shouldn't he, God? He should be called that. He shouldn't, we, we've got his name wrong. Do you, you understand me? All the power and all the authority and everything that is mighty and majestic about God, guess where it comes from? It comes from his absolute vulnerability. Absolute vulnerability. God is the naked God. He's the naked God. He's the one that stands before you and goes, hey, or, or kneels before you and goes, hey kids, I'm going to take the towel off that's around my waist right now and I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to take the only bit of clothing that's around me off right now and I'm going to wash your feet in absolute vulnerability. This is what Jesus was saying. It's not some kind of, it's not some kind of nice little theory or theology. It's real. Jesus took his clothes off and went, hey guys, this is me. This is me. I don't know what he had on, but he wasn't much. Huh? That song, I'll do something more undignified than this with, with David dancing with a little loincloth on and people laughing at him going... Who the heck is that man? He's meant to be the king. What in all the world is he doing? He, I tell you what he was doing. He was getting rid of all the external stuff and going, hey, this is me, God. I am this person. And I am all out for you. I live for you. And my life is fully for you. Huh? 
That's what David was doing. That's why he went through. He blew through something from the old into the new. That's what he did. Everybody else had been going, oh, Father, or not even that, oh, mighty God, you were far away. We'll pray and one day you'll hear us. Not David. David was going, no, I live with him. I live with him. I'm going to give him everything. The whole of my heart, the whole of my soul, my whole of my spirit, every emotion that lives in with me, I'm going to give him everything. And that's what he did. He danced with all his might. Do you remember? That's what he was doing. He was actually going, I consciously am going to move into a whole new moment. And when I do, it's like a rocket. You know, when you see, when you, when you see a jet going, going faster than the sound of the speed of sound. Yeah. It's faster than the speed of sound. It makes a bubble, doesn't it, at the front? There we there we go. It, it, it go. You go right through it. And you come into another dimension. Well, that's what David did in that moment. And some of you need to do it. Because you've got to think about the significance of this moment. This is not every day as normal. Really. And you can talk, you can opinionate, you can put things on Facebook. I'll tell you in a minute. It doesn't make no difference. What makes some difference is when you begin to pray. What makes some difference is when you begin to pull down the things that God has got for us inside and you begin to see that you're a restorer of the breach. You're someone that can repair. You're someone that can bring renewal. You're someone that can do something positive. Can you imagine what would happen if we all began to think like this? If the church actually began to think like Jesus, we'd see something different, wouldn't we? And if you want something different, you've got to do something different. So some of us need to go, hey, but what, what I was talking about, I was talking about Jesus taking off his garments, being at the feet of the disciples and washing their feet. And this is what he said, boys, if you don't allow me to do this, if you won't take your shoes and socks off, if you won't take your shoes and socks off, I'm not asking you to go naked, but if you don't take your shoes and socks off, you have no part in me. What does that mean? That means, come on kids, you've got to be his kids properly. You've got to share the stuff that's on the inside. You've got to deal with it. Stop hiding. Because there's a shaking going on. Do you understand me? And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything. That includes you. Man, that's what's happening all over the world. I tell you, I, I just gave a message to the president of a country who was in hiding. He was in hiding. He was in a bunker because everything in his world was being shaken. Everything. So what did he do? He had to get away because the shaking was so pressured. And what could I do? What could I do? Me. A baker and a butcher from Bradford, what could I do? Yes, I could get in touch with the Father. I could speak to the Father and go, Father, I know you have got a message for this man. I'm not going to judge him like everybody else because I know not. I don't know, but you know him. You know where he walks. You know how he talks. You know what he does. You know how he is. But if I listened to everything around me, you know what? I'd be disabled. I'd be dysfunctional. Do you understand that? Because when you listen to all these voices, you don't hear his voice. 
And we've got to start listening for the Father's voice, for the voice of Jesus. And it's not difficult to hear it because I see it. We quote it. Man, we speak it. Isaiah 61, you're talking it all the time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah, well, okay, carry on, carry on. Because it's all about restoration. It's all about renewal. It's all about repair. It's all about rebuilding. There's nothing in that passage that is not about building people up. What is difficult? What is difficult? Huh? While well, we have our nice services, our beautiful times, our conferences, our fresh coffee and our beautiful worship, what is difficult about that? We just have to restore. That's all you're required to do. That's all you're required to do. You're not required to do anything else. Just be a Jesus person. Huh? Look at someone and say, I'm going to be a Jesus person from this day on. I'm going to be a Jesus person. And I know, and you see, the thing is for you guys, of course, I'm like, I'm out there, so I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting revved up about all this stuff, and I'm seeing things that are happening in the world. And sometimes I ask myself, what can I do? And God goes, just show up, Paul, and listen. Great word this morning, Adam. Just show up, Paul, and listen. Because I've got a rap for you. What? A rap. Do you know that I had a, a word that came in a rap? A rap? I'm not a rapper. No, really, honestly. Who, who heard that? Well, I, I sent it to you guys, didn't I? I? I mean, you were there anyway, Adam, when, you, when I got that. But you just go, that's crazy, Lord. Are you sure? And I th- I, uh, originally I thought, is he asking me to sing it? I thought, oh, please, Lord. No, that's one, two step, that's one step too far. Huh? <laughs> with long hair <laughs> so he could have never found me ever again <laughs> but really you've just got to ask yourself what, what can you do well you can be a Jesus person that's what you can do that's who you can be but how, how we been it this is not church like, like it was everything's changed has anyone noticed has anyone noticed that the world has changed while the church has gone on behaving like nothing's changed How is it? How, how is that possible? But we're getting there. We're getting there. Listen, there's some shaking going on. Why does shaking come? Let's, let's read these words. It says in verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Ooh, flipping heck. Huh? Do you understand what's going on here? God had looked into that prison and he'd gone, there's people in darkness and I want to shake, I want to shake everything so that the foundations of the darkness, the the place where people live, get shaken and the foundations get shaken and all the windows fall out and all the doors open because that's what happens when shaking comes. That's what it feels like. You, You understand me? And if your foundations are not proper foundations, then when that shaking comes, it is a frightening place. 
It's a frightening place to be if you don't know what foundations you've got. So you've got to know. And this is why we go on about these things all the time. It's for your benefit, for my benefit, that we might be built on the foundation of Jesus. And Jesus is the rock. But you've got to say to him, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my rock. Just like we say, I want you to be my healer. I want you to be my provider. I want you to be my saviour. You've got to say to him, I want you to be my rock. I want to be built on you. I want to be in you. I want to be found in you. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be someone that is built internally. You understand me? It took Jesus 30 years before he even got on the road because he was being built internally all this time. At 12 years old, he was, he was full of wisdom. 12 years old, full of wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. And inside, he was strong. It says that he had a strong spirit at 12 years old. And at the end of those verses, it says that he was still growing in wisdom and in stature and increasing in the favour of God. Jesus at 12, are we close to Jesus at 12? How long have you been saved? How long have you been saved? How long have you been coming to church? You are the church, by the way, but how long have you been coming to church? How long have you been coming to the meetings? Because actually you were meant to be built inside secure, secure in who you are. Beautiful words this morning that, that Adam spoke to the little ones. Beautiful words. Because if you don't listen, you don't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are when the shaking comes, it's so difficult, isn't it? And you see, you've got to be ready for the shaking. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything. Well, if you're not going to get shaken, you've got to be pretty secure. Huh? You've got to be pretty secure. It's impossible to imprison life. Do you know that? It's impossible to imprison life. It's an impossibility. You can't do it. No one can chain life. If you've got life, it doesn't matter where you are. Life can never be chained. It can never be in bondage. It cannot. It's an impossibility. You know, people around you might go, oh, I don't like the way that they express. I don't like the way that they are. I, I, I want to shut them down. I want to control them. I want to manipulate. It don't matter because life inside has a life all of its own. It's like a stream that gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. It just increases because life has life itself. You understand me? So when I've got Jesus, I've got life and he is just increasing and increasing all the time. So it don't matter if you like me or you don't like me. It doesn't matter if you try to control me or manipulate me, stop me or hinder me. It doesn't matter because life carries on increasing all the time. This is the same for you. It's exactly the same, but you've got to recognize it and you've got to allow this life to come out. You've got to be like David who got a hold of it. He got a hold of the life that was inside. He began to dance with all his might and all his strength and everything in him. That's what he did. He owned it. He owned the life. Have you owned the life of Jesus that's inside you? I mean, you'll never own it, but you understand what I mean. It's a phrase that I'm using to say, you need to get a hold of that life. Get a hold of it and let that life own you. Let that life flow through you. Because nothing can stop life. You see, they were in prison. You don't see them rushing to get out. I mean, that's what I laughed about. They just sat there. They're not rushing. All doors open, windows drop out, bars get broken. Everything's... 
And they sat there. They sat in darkness because there is no dark there is no darkness to anybody that's in light. You understand me, even the darkness becomes as light. And this is where we've got to, go, got to get. This is where they lived. This is where Paul lived. And I'm going, I want to live there. I want to be in that place. I don't just want to read these things. I want to do them, don't you? Don't you want to do these exploits? Don't you get fed up of just reading them? I want to be able to write my own book. You understand me? I want a book written in heaven about me, about the exploits that I've done for his sake, for his glory, not for me, for him. Come on, come on. What is wrong with you? Do you not want to live? Oh, come on. You've got to own that life. You've got to get that life. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. That's what it's all about. Everything is getting changed. Oh, Lord. Sorry, you see. You see, I can't help myself. And you go, God, why is he having a go at us? I'm not having a go at you. I love you. I, I believe this stuff. Do you understand me? I believe it. I see it happening. I have come from a time where it's like every moment, I'm talking about every moment, is like God moment. Every moment. God, Jesus, I want this. This is where I want to live. I want to live this place. It's possible. And it's not all this, ooh, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost, ooh. It's not all that. It's not, that's, it's not that. You understand me? All that's just a meeting. It's not that. It's more than that. It's like I'm a man full of life, of power, of God. This life resurrects people from the dead. You're a man, you're a woman who's got power in you that can resurrect not only you from the dead, but other people. This is a beautiful thing if you can get a hold of it, but you've got to believe it. You've got to own it. You've got to say, yes, yes, yes. I want this. I want this. I don't want what's normal. I want something more than normal. We've got churches, thousands of churches filled with normal people who need to go, I want something more. But him, him. So there they are, praying, singing, it's beautiful. There's an earthquake, everything's getting shaken. And, and listen to this, when you've lived, when you've lived in darkness, when you've lived in a lie, when you're living it continually, you understand me? That has an influence. It has an effect. This is not, this is, this is not a plain plaything. The jailer lived in darkness. That's where he lived. You, you understand me? That darkness enveloped him in that moment. The foundations under his feet gave way in that moment. But he'd been living in darkness for a long time. And now the darkness just came at him and went, I'm going to swallow you up. You understand me? This is not a game. The darkness came when I'm going to swallow you up. But hey, we believe in Jesus, don't we? Thank you, Lord. He lives in us, doesn't he? He lives in us. Come on, look at someone and say, it's okay. Paul's not talking to me. Paul's not talking to me. He's just emphasizing some things. Come on. You need to say it. Paul's not talking to me. Say it to yourself. Paul's not talking to me. I mean it. You need to say it. I'm not talking to you. I'm just telling you the reality of what happens when someone's lived in darkness. It says here that he wanted to, he wanted to commit hereditary, didn't he? That's, you, you understand me? Darkness is not a nice thing. Darkness is not a nice thing. There's nothing nice about the enemy. He is horrible. 
He is horrible. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his only thoughts. That's what he wants to do. But he cannot once Jesus comes inside of us because we have life of itself inside us that wants to take over us. But we've got to own that life. We've got to go, yes, Jesus, I understand that you are light. I understand you are life. You live inside me. You are truth. You've got to say it like you mean it every single day. All this thing about, you know, well, I gave my life to, hey, every day I'm giving my life to Jesus. Every single day I'm going, Jesus, I'm making a choice for life today. I want life. I want peace. I want everything that God is. Real life breaks chains, fetters, bondage, and cuts through the coldness and harshness of death. That's what it does. The schemes and the plotting of the enemy will fail and be destroyed completely. But everything was being shaken. Everything. It's possible to spend time in prison for the sake of someone else. It is. That's why they were in prison. For the sake of someone else. They weren't in prison for themselves. They were in prison for the people around them. But the life was still flowing out of them. It's beautiful, isn't it? And there is a battle, and it is real. And some of you know the reality of that battle. But, but, but you've been asking, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Shall I go to another counsellor? Shall I see someone else? Listen to me. You have the counsellor on the inside of me. I'm, please hear me. Please hear me. You can go to a counsellor. You can go to the doctor. And, and, and you probably should do all those things. Do all those things. But in the end, the counsellor, the teacher, the saviour, the rock, the one who is your redeemer lives on the inside of you. And what you have got to do is own that life that is on the inside of you. Not some little Christian prayer, but really own it. Really own it. Because if you don't really own it, you don't really have it. Do you understand me? It's, it's just a thought. It's just a nice belief somewhere out there, somewhere. But you've got to own this. That's, do you understand? That's what David was doing. That's what David was doing. He was owning what he believed. And we've got to own it. And you go, Paul, not, not everyone's like you. You're very expressive, Paul. You're, you're this emotional, you read it on your, on your wrist kind of guy. Listen to me. I became this person that I am now. I became this person that I am now. I'm here for everybody's encouragement that they can actually go, this guy came through all these things. And honestly, my testimony, I came through all sorts of things and still are coming through things. But if I can do it, we can all do it. That's the message. Huh? All of us, every single one of us. But you've got to own it. And you've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You understand me? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. There's millions of people outside that, that are worse off, believe me. That are worse off. You can tell me your terrible testimony. I can find someone's testimony that's much worse than yours. So this is not a competition. The testimony is that by the grace of God, we have all been saved. That's the testimony. Do you understand me? I don't want to know all the gory details. I want to know about the light that's inside you. I want to know about the life and the love and the grace of God that's inside you. That's the testimony. That's the testimony. 
the life of Jesus. Huh? So suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew the sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Do yourself no harm, because God does not want anyone to have harm. God's plan is good for you. Come on, say it to someone. God's plan is good for you. He has a good future, a beautiful hope for you. He has a dream for you. God does not want that you would harm yourself in any way. So don't even contemplate anymore. You are not going to harm yourself in any way. Because God does not want you to harm yourself. You are here Not by coincidence, not by mistake. You are here right now in this moment for a reason. For this season, you are here now. So stop telling yourself things that the enemy uses against you. Take away his ability to use weapons against you. You you understand me? If you keep fueling him with a thought that's dark... If you keep fueling him with that lie, he'll keep taking it and going, you understand me? He takes the thought and then he shoots you with it. That's what he does. Stop giving him the thought. Stop it. Say to someone next to you, stop it. Never do it again. Never do it again. Never do it again. Never. Never do it again. God loves you. God is for you. He's with you. He wants you to live this life to the uttermost. He wants you to live this life. This life right now. It's a beautiful life. It can be a beautiful life. I'm not saying it's all rosy, please. Don't misunderstand me. It's not. It's not all rosy. The whole point is that we are overcomers. The whole point of your life is that you overcome. If you don't go through anything, you don't overcome anything, do you? So stop saying, oh, no, stop saying it. Just go, I'm coming through this. I'm overcoming it. This is what happens. Now listen to this. This is fantastic. Listen. It says, then he called for light. Who called for light? Who called for light? The jailer called for light. Paul did not call for light. Paul was in the light. Paul Silas did not call for light. The jailer called for light. What do you do when you've been in darkness and there's been a shaking? What do you do when things get tough? One, you call for light. You do. Stop putting it on everybody else. Stop saying, well, I'm waiting for the pastor to come and see me. I'm waiting for Adam to come and see me. I'm waiting for Faye to come and see me. I'm waiting for Tina to come and see me. Because I need someone to come and see me. No, listen to me. What you need is to say, I need light right now. He called for light. Paul and Silas are living in the cell with the doors open, going... (whistles) Are they? They're like, they've not moved. They're not struggling. They're not going, oh, we see that you've got a tough time. They're not doing that. They're going, no, actually, let him call for light. 
A lot of people, we need to say sorry. We're the ones that need to say, I'm sorry. We're the ones that need to go, I need light. I'm the one that actually got it wrong, don't we? We need to say it for ourselves. You need to say it for yourselves. You go, well, it wasn't my fault. Listen to me. Our whole life is because we wanted to do our own thing. Do you understand me? The reason that Jesus died is because every single one of us wanted to do our own thing and go our own way, and that does not exclude you. So why don't you just acknowledge it together with me and go, this is how I was. Stop making excuses for yourself. Stop it. That's how you was and that's what you would have done. Just gone on your merry way if it hadn't been for Jesus. So don't tell me your life's all right. Your life's not all right. You need Jesus and we all need light. Can we all agree about it? I need light. Huh? Just say it to yourself. You need light. Even when you've got light, you need more light. We need light, enlightening all the time. But none of us like to be told, oh, well, actually, it's your responsibility. No one likes a person that says that. We all want someone to say it's everybody else's responsibility. Pastor's responsibility, government's responsibility, my mum and dad's responsibility, my wife's responsibility, my kids' responsibility. It's someone else's responsibility, but it ain't mine. No, just like me, you need help. That's what we can say, isn't it? I need light, Lord. I need light. I didn't get it right. I got it wrong. I need light. Then he called for light. Beautiful, isn't it? You know what light is? Light immediately dispels darkness. Hmm? Oh, I've got a hanky here and everything. I forget. But light dispels darkness, doesn't it? And you all go, well, how do you get light? Well, this is how you get light. You start sharing your life. Oh, yeah, but I share my life with Jesus. No, listen to me. You share your life this way. Both ways. Share your life. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. Why not? Why can't you do it? Everybody else does it. Why can't you share your life? Why can't you be honest and transparent? Huh? Why can't you be honest and transparent like everybody else is? Well, certainly those around you. Huh? That's the whole point, isn't it? Jesus was fully transparent. Jesus was fully light. There was no darkness in him. In other words, he shared everything that he was. Every bit of his being, he shared it. There was nothing hidden in his life. That's what it means to find light. You share the darkness. Huh? Simple as that, isn't it? It's not, it's not big things. What happens when the shaking comes? Yeah, the shaking is meant to get you to a place where you go, you know what, I need light. What does that mean? It means that I share my life. That's what it means. Properly, honestly, transparently, vulnerable. That's what it means. When you do that, I tell you what, we, we, we can stop rushing to conferences. I know you guys don't rush to conferences, but I'm just saying it because there's probably a lot of other people listening who probably aren't running to conferences either but should there be no but you understand me we can stop with all that because once we can't start getting transparent once we start getting honest once we start sharing our life properly guess what god's there that's the meeting i want to be in right there that's the meeting i want to be in i'll tell you what i tell you what if, if we don't live like that if we don't live like that in our house i'm out of here really because i'd ra- i'd rather share my life with four people 
than we're 400 that don't know how to do it. Because I'll tell you, when we share our life on that place, God lives in it. So keep on going, son. Keep on going. Do not despair. Huh? Because there's a lot of people coming along for this journey. There's a lot of people. We've got a lot of people to bring along. It's just a little bit hard in the, in the beginning. And it seems like it's the beginning for a lot of time, doesn't it? But really, you start sharing your life properly, honestly, with someone that you trust. God lives in it. He just lives there. You don't have to pray. Listen to me. Please, understand what I'm saying. You don't have to pray. Of course, you have to pray. You don't have to pray to get that, though. All you have to do is share, because he lives in it. Your honesty, he loves it. Your openness, he loves it. You go, oh, no, I, I, I never want to say these things. Yes, you do. You want to say them all the time. To keep clean, to keep going, to keep washed, to keep whole. If I didn't do this stuff, I'd be dead. Honest to God, I'd be dead if I didn't do this stuff. Why, why is it so difficult? People are paying, do you know what? People pay hundreds of pounds to see a counsellor to do this stuff. Yeah. And we do it for our life. Yeah. Huh? What's that about? Huh? Getting ripped off by someone they don't know. And yet, right in the house, there's people that can talk and be together and be transparent and pray for one another. And we can walk in, walk in the light. Because you see, you don't walk, you realise when you're out of fellowship, you're not walking in the light. That's what it says in 1 John. When you're out of fellowship, when you don't want to be in fellowship, it means you're out of fellowship and you're not in the light. You need to be in fellowship with one another all the time. Anyway, let's carry on. So he called for light. Listen to this. This is beautiful. It just gets better. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. It just gets better, though. It says the jailer called for life, and then what did he do? What did he do? He ran. Before he even got bowing down, he ran. He ran. Say it to someone. He ran. He ran. What did he do? He ran. Why? Why did he run? Because he knew that he had a desperate need. He did the running. Not everybody else. Not everybody else running after you. Oh, well, I haven't had enough yet. Well, you've had 20 years of this stuff. People running after you. Huh? No, they're not going to run after you anymore. They're going to be there, but they're not going to run after you anymore. Because now you're going to run for that which you know is good and right and true. You're going to do the running. You're going to go, I need the light, I'm going to share, and now I'm going to run towards him. I'm going to run towards him. You understand me? He's running into the inner, inner cell. But Paul and Silas sat there in the light. You see, because really we are a reflection of Jesus, aren't we? You understand me? When someone meets me, they meet Jesus. I actually believe that. Do you understand me? It's not just a word. It's like I really believe that they're actually meeting Jesus. And I don't care if you think it's stupid or silly. I'm telling you, that's what Jesus taught us to do. He said, when you look at me, you see the Father. Okay, well, when you look at me, you see the Father. Because the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost live in me. Do you understand me? So he ran to where he knew there was light. He ran to it. And then what did he do? He bowed down. He fell down. What is that humility? Oh, my Lord. Transparency, honesty, vulnerability, humility. Oh, don't, don't put any more on us, Paul. Don't put us any. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put it on you all the time. I'm going to say, man, if you live like this, God will be your light forever. If you live this way, God will be your light forever. You know, humility, it's not like a once in a, oh, well, I ran to a conference and bowed down. No, 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 listen to me. No, no. Every day we bow down before him. Because he's our father, he's our king. He's Jesus, the mighty one. 
Every day, it's like my heart is bowing before him. Huh? I don't know what day he's going to come and pick me up, but I, I'm telling you, I want to be ready whatever day it is. You understand me? Every day I'm bowing before him because he's my Lord and my Savior and I love him and this is real. This is not church as normal. It's not another meeting. This is like Paul going nuts for your sake. Really? It's for you. This is how much he loves you. Make a display of me. So, so I don't know what the thoughts are of me. Do you understand me? I don't know what your thoughts are of me. But I'll tell you what, he displays me so that you can either get mad or you can throw stones at me without me noticing or you can do whatever you want, but it don't matter to me because I am here to provoke the life that is in you to come forth any which way and I will do it all the time. I'm going to do it till you are absolutely sick of me. No, honestly, I, I, I say it, I promise it, I promise it. Because I can't help myself. Do you understand me? I, I want a company of men and women that really begin to... I tell you, if you guys didn't pray, I don't know where I'd be. Honestly, I don't just say it, I mean it. I need your prayers, I need your help, I need your support. And you need mine. We need it together. We have to do this thing together. Huh? He ran. He fell down. You know... Paul, it says Paul fell down, didn't it? It says that Jesus, it says Paul, when the light came, he fell down. In humility, before the Lord, he fell down. Do you remember that? Acts 10, that's the whole story. He was, he was, he was on his way to wherever it was. The light came and he fell down. What was he doing? He was humbling himself before the mighty one. Maybe we all need to humble ourselves continually before Jesus. And then, now, get this. What's the fourth thing that he did? He asked a question. And it wasn't, Paul, what day is it? What's the weather like? How is the family? It wasn't any of those things. No, it was a relevant question in the moment. And the question was this. What shall I do? Hang on, what was the question again? That's just someone moving into the office, don't worry. What shall I do? He's got two legs and he's walking. You've seen him before. What shall I do was his question. But whose question was it? It was his question. It was the jailer's question. Do you notice everything so far is the jailer? Everything so far is the jailer. And we, we need to be like this. What is the question that you were asking? Is it, is it a question about someone else? Are you waiting for someone else to do something? Are you waiting for them to fall down? Are you waiting for them to repent? Are you waiting for them to, to give something? What are you doing? Do you understand me? We have this incredible ability to go, I'm waiting for you now. No, no, God's waiting for you now. God is waiting for you now. God has done everything. He's waiting for you. And now you have got to ask the relevant question. And in this case, it was, what shall I do? And in most cases, it's, what shall I do? Huh? What are you going to do to see this transformation in your life? That is the only relevant question, isn't it? What shall I do? Not what everybody else shall do. Huh? It's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? Oh, my Lord, it's like, when, when I preach like this, I see little, like, things going on and people trying to hide behind rocks and like, Whoa! Don't. Really, 
just go, it's okay. It's okay. This is how I am going to live from this day on. This is how I'm going to live. I'm going to call for light. I'm going to share my life. I'm, I'm going uh, to fall. I'm going to be hum, humble. Yeah? And I'm going to ask the right questions. And then it says, this is what he had to do. He had to believe. And believe wasn't just this mental, like, I believe. No. This guy knew. He'd lived in darkness all his life. And light was here right now. That's what he knew. And they said, you need to believe in Jesus with all your heart. With everything in you, you have got to believe in Jesus. And then this is what's going to happen. When you believe like that, now listen to me, when you believe like that, something happens not only in your own life, but for your whole household. For the whole household. He said, you, when you believe, you and your whole household are going to be saved. Now, I, I know there's some people here who are believing for their households, aren't there? You were believing for your households, aren't you? Well, come on, we've got to believe like this jailer did. We call for the light, we ask the right questions, we humble ourselves. And then when, when he says, what have you got? When, when you get the answer, it's believe with all your heart, with all your might, with everything that is within you, believe in what God has said to you. Believe it. You believe it and get a hold of it. Embrace it and own it because this can be a changing moment for you, for your family, for everybody that is connected with you. Huh? Everybody. You see, more than anybody, we should be living in this. We should live in this stuff. Do you understand me? When, when, when Robert and Cynthia go up there, it's like they understand this is what's going on. Light is going everywhere. It's going everywhere. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I know that we have this same light here, this same presence, these same principles, this same power. I know that we have Jesus in the house and Jesus in our own houses. But somehow, there, it's like, what? What happens then? I'm telling you, I preached a word there the other day. The, the, the response was like phenomenal. It's like they ate. Do you understand me? It's like they ate it. I'm talking about a country. They're all sat in there. They couldn't wait to get a hold of this. But somehow with us... I want this! Yeah. I want this! Good. Yeah, amen. You've got it. You've got it. Huh? You've got it. Yeah, but sometimes we need to do that, don't we? We look on and go, ooh, that's a bit uncomfortable. No, it's not uncomfortable. It's fine. It's like what you want to do. Do you understand me? But for years, it's been pressed down. You've got your little English stuff about you. Listen to me. I'm born of another kingdom. I'm a citizen of another place. Of course, every time that I fly into England, you know what? I don't diss England. I don't say this is rubbish. I don't say any of those things. I cry. And go, this is the place that I was born. This is where I'm meant to be. I love coming to England. But I'll tell you this. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And I have a message that can revolutionize England. Do you understand me? And you've got a message as well. And I don't know what we're waiting for. We're only waiting for a few people to stand up and go, yes. 
I'm ready for it. Huh? My Lord. That's all we're waiting for. Isn't it? And I know you're doing it in your hearts. I know you'd say, Paul, I'm doing it in my hearts. I'm doing it in my heart. I know you'd say that, but sometimes you need to reach out more. Sometimes you need to go further. Do you understand me? Sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do. Sometimes you have to break into another dimension by doing something you've never done before. And I don't mean now, but I mean this could be at home. It could be anywhere, but I'm going to pray for you all. Father, I want to thank you for this household, Lord. I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, you see the fire that eats me, Lord. It eats me, Father, but it's not, it's not to harm anyone, Lord. Father, it is to benefit. I see, Lord, this is not coincidence. This is not just a normal Sunday morning, Father. You brought us together to be together as a family, yes, Lord. But you were raising this family up to be a difference, Lord, to make a difference, Father. And we say in our hearts right now, Lord, we say we want to make a difference, Lord. We don't want to be opinionated. We don't want to be judgmental, Father. We want to be restorers of the breach, Lord. We want to be those who renew, Father, and repair. We want to be those who rebuild, Father. We want to be those, Father, who it talks about in Isaiah 61, Father. Father, the, the, the bottom line is we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Father, I, I, I want to live my life like Jesus. And I know, Father, that all of my brothers and sisters are your Lord. They're all signs and wonders, Lord. And they're all here because of that very same thing, Father. They're all here for that very same thing, Father. And I know it, Lord, in my heart. And Lord, I know sometimes they've given up, Father. Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes we wonder where you are. But Father, I want to thank you that you are the light and you are with us. You are love, Lord. You are grace. You are mercy, Father. You are goodness. And you live on the inside of us, Father. And we say yes to who you are, Father, right now. We say yes, Lord. We reach out, Father. We go beyond, Lord. We say yes, Lord. We want every molecule in our being, Father. Every thought in our mind, Father, to be filled with the thought of Jesus, Lord. I want my mind to be filled, Lord. I want every highway to be filled with the thought of Jesus, Father. I want my blood cells to be filled with the life of Jesus, Father. Lord, everything, Lord. And I know that I'm a man, Lord. And I'll always be a man, Father. And we'll always be men and women, Father. And we can't be delivered from the weakness. But Lord, you are our strength in our weakness, Lord. And we give our weaknesses to you, Lord. We don't hide them, Lord. We don't hide them, Father. All our weaknesses, you see every weakness. We are just normal men and women, Father. But you have charged us on the inside, Father. You have filled us on the inside, Father, with your own life. And whilst we are normal men and women, girls and boys, Father, yet we long for your life to flow in us in even greater ways, Father. Even greater, Lord. Wherever we go, Father. Tomorrow, Lord, we just, uh, not even tomorrow, today and tomorrow and the next day, Father, we pray into our days, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us, Lord. That every, every moment, Father, would be a meeting with someone, Father, that you would use us in beautiful ways, Father, to be an expression of your life. Father, I give this household permission Permission, Father, to be the ones that they really are, Father. Not to be ashamed, not to be uh, hiding anymore, Father. But to be the ones that they really are, Father. Fully released in you, Father. And I want to thank you, Father. I want to thank you, Father. Any disappointment in, in people's hearts, Lord. Any, any pain, Father. Any grief, Lord. I want to thank you that you meet them this morning, Father. And you sing 
to them, Father. You sing with each one of us, Lord. You dance with each one of us, Lord. You kiss us, Father. You kiss us, Lord. Let no one, let not the enemy use not one word, Father, not anything, Father, that I have said this morning, Father. There is no condemnation, Father, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing, there's no death, no condemnation, no darkness, Father. We live in the light and we intend to go on living in the light, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, we bless you and we thank you, Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.